When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. Black politicians have always had a difficult path to being elected to office. Here's a little history. No black United States senators were elected between 1875 and 1967. And there have only been 11 black senators in our nation's history. And as you know, the first black president, Barack Obama, was elected in 2008. And the first black vice president, Kamala Harris, was elected in 2020. But are things equal in politics now, or do black politicians continue to face more scrutiny than their white peers? Ooh, that's laughable. That's funny. I can't wait to hear what y'all have to say about this. Let's get down to business. The business of being black today are black politicians. Please welcome a member of the Riviera Beach, Florida City Council, Councilman Douglas Lawson. How you doing, Councilman? Oh, Ms. Tammy, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your show, and I'm excited to just talk about the standard of what it took being an educated young Black man business owner to being an elected official and the, the hurdles I had to jump through just to actually serve my community on a local level. Well, thank you. You certainly have firsthand knowledge about politicians being in office. We can't wait to hear it. The founder of KMB Consulting, Dr. Carrie Mitchell-Brown, is here. Hi, Dr. Brown. Hello, and it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. The president of the Black Conservative Federation and a member of Project 21, Deontay Johnson. Hi, Deontay. Tammy, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And writer, educator, and member of Project 21, Dr. A. Sonia Morris. Hi, Dr. Morris. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having us. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. It's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun and educational, to say the least. Uh, the first question I always ask is, why should black people care? Listen, uh, people are in office and they're here to help Americans. So why should black people care if black politicians are elected or not? Dr. Dr. Sonia, we're going to start with you. OK, why should we care? Well, I believe we need to care about the American process. Uh, Sure, we were not brought here of our own volition, but now we are here, and I do believe we are—we can be credited for um, with what America has become today. So we need to care, and we need to be a part of the process, and that's one of the reasons I ran for office um, last year. Um, that we need to, but we are—we don't vote, and we are not even voted. We're not voting in primaries. We're not voting in the general, and so. Um, well, our people are not awakened to the policy issues and people are just trying to live their lives. And we need to do a better job of getting people out to vote and getting people to care about policy. Dr. Mitchell, Dr. Mitchell Brown, I should say. Yeah, black people should care because our government should be made up of the uh, people in which it governs. And black people are clearly uh, part of our uh, country, our democracy, our social systems. We are here and we should be in politics as well. Yes. Deontay, why should black people care if there are black politicians? I think the two ladies said it best. It's about we the people and we the people here in America are is a diverse people. And so we should definitely care and we should want to diversify our Congress. Councilman, talk to me. Why should I care? I'm going to echo those sentiments because um, if we're not at the table and we're not making the decisions and being part of that decision-making process, we will be on the menu. We have been the individuals that have had a system created for us, not by us and not with us. So it was created to actually provide a, a system of, of control, a system of keeping leadership in place. So we have to care because if we want to be decision makers and we want true equity in our community, we have to be a part of that decision to where we're voting 
to where we're running, to where we're exercising our right, and to where we're engaged in the entire process of the electoral process. I want to stay with you here, Councilman Douglas. When it comes to how much uh, they will be scrutinized, does a politician's party affiliation matter more than their race? Uh, absolutely. Um, local levels, individuals have learned red and blue. Um, they, they truly could care less about what's happening as long as that their taxes are lower, as long as the police department is going to protect and serve, as long as the fire department's going to get there with a timely fashion on a local level. But when you get up to your state and federal levels, that's when your affiliations play such a major factor. And historically, Democrats have been represented by uh, African-Americans or been positioned into that part portion to where we've been told you have to be a Democrat. So you're you're ridiculed if you come out as a different party affiliation, where you have to understand the true essence of serving is based upon the people. It's not based on your, your, your party affiliation. It's based upon what are you going to do to service your community and how are you going to look out for the best interests of the needs of our community? Deontay, you agree with that? I do agree with that. You know, um, I tell people, 97% of Black Americans vote one party. And, you know, that's a problem for our community. As we want to continue to uplift our community, we want our community to grow economically, we want our communities to grow um, educationally, we need representation on both sides. And so that's whether you're a Black Democrat or a Black Republican, it is very important that we come together and have representation on both sides. Because one thing we learned is, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, they're going to be in power between in a 10 year cycle. And so that's one thing I love about other communities is that regardless of who the president is, regardless of who's in the majority in Congress, they are always winning. And that's because they have people on both sides. Mm, interesting concept. They have people on both sides that, that allow them to uh, be elected is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Sonia. Yes, I believe that, unfortunately, as uh, African-Americans, we're stigmatized when we are on the conservative side of things. But just a little bit of history, and this is where my paper, my thesis uh, comes in, which is what I'm going to be publishing, that uh, tra uh, traditionally, as a people, we actually were on the more conservative side of things. And it was the year that I was born in 1964 that we switched over to the Democrats because it was more because we we're looking at uh, needing the economic uh, stimulus and the help. And so the government, the federal government um, gave that help. And that year, 80 um, percent of African-Americans voted uh, Democrat. And so but unfortunately, now we're stigmatized when we um, when our values and my, my paper is about voting according to our values, we should be free to vote and to have the ideals that we have and not stigmatized by our own people. So then we face um, we face issues not only with whites who some of them may think that we don't belong. And, and now we face issues with African-Americans, other blacks who think that we've abdicated our blackness which shouldn't be the case. We should be free to um, associate wherever because we have freedom. Constitutionally, we have freedom of, of association and we should free ourselves up and our people up to, you know, fall on whatever side that we we choose to. So it's unfortunate, but that's the that's where we are right now. And I believe that it, it needs to change. It is unfortunate. I always find it fascinating how, and this is probably more recent than in earlier years uh, uh, in American politics, but I always find it fascinating how uh, the people, we, the people, uh, have kind of chose a side and hated mm -hmm. the other one on the other side, but Congress, not so much, right? I mean, Congress, they, they laugh, they joke, they have dinner together, and they're more friendly amongst each other. Well, maybe not as of lately, as of the last two weeks, but they're <laughs> more friendly amongst each other than the people who voted for them. Dr. Kerry? Yeah, I, you know, it, it all depends. I mean, it's interesting, but our systematic inequality is really at the foundation of our American democracy. Right. And so we need uh, black people represented at all levels of, of government, um, local, state, um, you know, federal uh, as as well, uh, because we're not a monolith. Right. We all have different needs, um, um, different values. And just to have a comprehensive representation across all is, um, you know, is important for sure. 
Do you believe that black Republicans are more stigmatized than black Democrats, Dr. Kerry? Yes, I do believe that they're more stigmatized than black Democrats because of all of the pushback um, that the right has uh, delivered over the last, you know, several, several years. Um, so the scrutiny is different. It's there um, on both sides. And um, it seems to be out of a misalignment when there is a uh, black Republican. Yeah. Councilman Douglas, uh, do you feel that black Republicans are stigmatized? Dr. Kerry hit it on, hit it on the head. That stigma is absolutely there because. And I also want to ask, are white Republicans stigmatized? Yes, <laughs> I agree. They, they are definitely stigmatized when it comes to our community and our culture, but they're not as stigmatized as a black Republican because it's almost looked at as if you are the, the villain or if you're going against the system or the status quo that has been created by a system that wasn't even created for us. So they are stigmatized when it comes to a Republican, but you are almost the villain when you're considered a black Republican in this community. Yeah, a villain and stigmatized, they're, they're pretty different there, huh? Yeah, to be a villain. And I, and I wonder, do black Democrats or the black people that stigmatize Republicans or vilify black Republicans, do they ever think that we need black people on the Republican side too? They, we really need us to represent America in a totality and not just in yeah. one space, even if it's to infiltrate, right? right? Dr. Sonia, go ahead. I, I look to a day when it's 50-50, <laughs> you know? I mean, it should be more um, spread out. And I, to go back to your point about them joking around in Congress at the federal level, that should be the case because we need to, they need to unite to, um, you know, some of the problems that we face, many of the problems we're facing in this country takes the entire Congress. It takes everyone to band together to deal with the issues. And so um, we really shouldn't be stigmatizing each other. And then, um, you know, if you have a Republican president speaking um, and the person is talking about some 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 win for the black community, they can't clap. And it, it's gotten very, very sophomoric. And, and um, you know, and we've gotten to just flat out juvenile, if you ask it, me. It really but let's is. take a quick break and we'll be right back on the business of being black. We'll get you in, Don Deontay. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. And the business of being black today are black Republicans. Let's talk about two presidents who kind of changed the course of where America stands today. It all kind of, this is where the divide started. And I have to say, 2008 is when it began to happen. So would Barack Obama have been president of the United States if he were white, Deontay? Um, no, I think that when Obama you say became, no, no, I, I think when President Obama became president, it was it was time. It was time for America to go into a different direction. Um, I tell people all the time I would I supported Obama in 2008 um, and it was it was time. It's just like it's time for us to now move to the time where we have a female president. And so I think America moves in stages and that was the stage. So I don't think. We needed a black president. We was not, you know, America was tired of the old white man. <laughs> so, so anyone could have run against any old white man and won. Is that your suggestion? Well, qualify. <laughs> right. Speaking of qualify, would Trump have won if he were a black man? I'm keeping it with you, Deontay. As a Republican, no. Um, as a Democrat, yes. Really? Why do you say that? You know, I, I feel that if Trump was the same person that he is today as a Democrat, he would be loved. He would have won a re-election. Um, he would have won, um, you know, you know, back, back, you know, if he ran against, you know, Mitt Romney or what have you. Um, it's the values. And I think people confuse that R&D so much that it makes their entire decision and not really policy. I want to know, Dr. Um, Kerry, do you agree with that? Do you agree that if Trump were a black man, he would have won if he ran for Democratic office? 
No, I don't believe that he uh, would have won as a black man. It was hard for Obama to win as a black man with his qualifications and um, with his background. Trump on the and his brown um, suit <laughs> and his brown suit and and Trump on his rhetoric. I mean, he no, it's a simple no. Yeah, Dr. Sonia, how do you feel about that? I mean, the man had all kinds of sexual harassment charges against him. He owed tons of banks and businesses money. Uh, He didn't give his IRS uh, tax returns, uh, which is a normal voluntary process that presidents go through. You think if he were black, he could have pulled that off? I don't think so. Um, But to be perfectly honest, I vote policy. And so I think what we do, and I guess we can go again into another point where um, um, conservative politicians don't get away with as much as um, liberal politicians. And so we see the takedown of people based on certain moral events. You know, Clinton had a moral failure in the White House. While we're talking about President Trump, he had a moral, some moral failures beforehand. And I, I understand, listen, nobody is perfect. And I hopefully we're never expecting someone to be perfect. But I believe a lot of good was done for the country. And, you know, we're not always going to agree that the person was that their personality a person can have a really problematic personality but do th- good things for the for the country and i guess what people really wanted they wanted um the federal government to stop telling them what to do and they wanted we the people and and it's that populist movement that allowed him to be president so were, were he a black man with that much bravado and all of that i don't think he would have won i think he got away with it because he was white councilman absolutely um I've seen elections where it's popularity contests. He was such a polarizing figure that I completely believe that he would have actually competed. He would have been someone that had a chance to win, but he would not have won because as a black man, we are scrutinized highly. Um, Dr. Sonia, while I appreciate you're one of the, the voters that actually votes policy, there's far too many that don't. They vote on who they know, what's the popularity, uh, what is it that you're going to do for that Yeah, individual. we just talked about it being uh, sophomoric is what Dr. Sonia exactly. said. I said juvenile. And let's face it, when we're in high school, we don't vote for policies. We vote for people. And who's that's the, what the, the people person? of America do typically, right? Typically, that's going to be the, the popularity contest. While Donald Trump is such a polarizing figure, I think he carried too much luggage and baggage for him to get the support that President Barack Obama. President Barack Obama mobilized and activated me to actually want to serve within governance outside of being a local business owner because of how amazing of a leader he was without the additional baggage. So I don't think Trump stood a chance to win, but he was such a polarizing figure that he would have been competitive. And that's why he was our last president. Is that true, Deontay? Um, you know, I hear, I heard what Sonia said, you know, I hear what the councilman said, and uh, they both, you know, make great points. Uh, I, you know, I do think that there are definitely stigmas being a black man in America. Um, I definitely think that uh, black Americans don't get away with uh, a lot of things that white Americans get away with. But, you know, I believe that uh, President Donald Trump won um, in a party that was against a lot of the things that he was for. Um, against a lot of things in his past, I think he won because Americans was just tired of the everyday politician. And they were just tired of that same status quo of you got to act like this, you have to do this, you have to have this past, you have to go and become a um, governor and mayor and the senator and congressman. They were tired of all of that. And they just wanted something different. So um, I think that's why I say yes, he, regardless of what he was, America, just like I said, in 2008, America was ready for a black president. In 2016, America was ready for something different. They were tired of the politicians, yeah. and it was time for something new. And that's why he won. He, this may president be controver- Trump- a controversial statement, but uh, President Barack Obama won for the same reasons President Donald Trump won, in my hmm. eyes. They were ready for something new. Not- I mean, yeah. Go ahead, not controversial at all. It, it's, it's very accurate. They were looking, and as Deontay said, they were looking for something new. Our country is looking for some type of change. 
President Barack Obama brought that change to our community. Donald Trump brought that business leadership, that that bravado that he actually brought to the table. Yet I do believe now our country is seeing that we have to kind of have some type of structure when it comes to our leadership. And hopefully we'll stabilize with us being at a time where they want something new, where we can possibly have our first woman president. I would add that, you know, Trump became president as a backlash to Obama. Yes, Obama offered something new and something different, but Obama also represented a black man, you know, sort of leading, moving us closer to our promise for democracy. And, um, you know, Trump's reelection was a backlash, you know, to that and immediately undoing all of the progress that um, that was made. Yeah, I didn't necessarily say it was a backlash. I would say more so that uh, President Trump's reelection, like I said, was something they were tired of the politician. And now America's at the point. Well, where, his election, not his reelection. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And now America's at the point now where we. Had, we, we had a black president and we went to something that was not a politician. And then we went back to Joe, we went to Joe Biden, who is a politician. And now America's tired of that same politician. And so the next president will not be a politician. And to be honest, the next president is not going to be someone who's been around for decades. They're not going to be someone who's qualified. They're not going to be someone who's went through the ranks of the political sphere. They're going to be someone who's different. I don't know whether that'd be a Democrat or a Republican, but I can guarantee you that America is just sick of the average politician that reads it from a teleprompter. I have to agree with you there. I'm certainly sick of them. Uh, I mean, you know, Barack Obama was definitely a test of America. And then Donald Trump was another test of America. It's kind of like you're tasting the samples to see what, what you like better. And then Joe Biden were like, ah, you know, let's just go back to pizza. Uh, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, damn, this pizza's stale, it's old, it's cold. Yeah. Uh, what do we have? Where are our choices? I don't think the choice is in a woman. I think really that the choice is in a young president, a very young president. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Councilman? Well, it's seeing that somebody that has the ability to want to leave, a servant leader, somebody that has a genuine heart to address policy and also to address people, to know that the people are going to come first. Because in my community, I've seen electeds of older uh, ages. I've seen young people come through, but it's really about who's going to touch the people and show them that we're going to lead by example. And be people Do you first. agree with Deontay real quick? Do you believe that uh, our next president, we won't know who that is? We won't know who it is? I agree. I do agree that it's going to be very, it's going to be wide open. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. The Business of Being Black today are black politicians. And I'm laughing because before we left to break, uh, Deontay said he doesn't believe that we know who the next president of the United States will be. Uh, and I just found that to be wow, because I thought Joe Biden was already the Democratic pick. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how will another person that we don't know yet even find his or her way through. What are your thoughts, Dr. Carey? My thoughts are, I don't know, right? I mean, traditionally the, um, you know, the person in office of so Biden would, you know, have a, um, a re-election, you know, campaign. I have not seen anyone to be set up um, yet on either side, um, or especially the Democratic side, to um, disrupt that. Um, yeah, and obviously on the Republican side, we definitely see that uh, Trump is going to make another bid, and DeSantis is looking pretty darn good uh, for the Republican Party. Dr. Sonia? Yeah, I think um, Mr. Biden, President Biden, is not going to make it because, you know, we see all of these things coming out now that are allowed to come out about the the secrets, um, the documents and all of these things that. But really Dr. Sonia, if you say you vote for policy and the moral the, the moral standings of a president doesn't matter, then why should we even discuss that? 
No, the, the moral stand, the moral standings do matter. I mean, well, if a president is allowing um, certain documents that he should keep um, to keep keep secure, and you know, there are all these things that are coming out about um, um, President Biden right now, and the fact that his health and his, um, you know, there are certain things that um, people are concerned about about his ability to lead the country, and they've been concerned for a while. So I believe the Democrats. I, I'm sure that in the Democratic Party, there are some really good picks and um, we, we just haven't seen them brought to the front. And unfortunately, you know, it, it may result um, in somebody that we don't know. We don't know. We might we might get DeSantis. We might get uh, President Trump. But clearly, might, the Democratic yeah. Party is going to be much like the Republican Party and not care about uh, about papers hidden in homes like the Republican Party didn't care about Trump having papers in yes. his Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. So why, why would yes. why would the Democrats care? Well, and, and the the difference is, though, that a president can declassify where a vice president can. And we can get into the semantics, but um, we should care that they're, you know, that these papers are not where they're supposed to be. And so in the sitting president um, where the documents have been in a certain place for decades and like in a garage, I mean, there are certain other issues that- We're talking that, semantics here, Dr. Sonia. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, I, jump, I don't know I, I that would, that's a space we should have in gone say, into considering uh, Trump is going through the whole same process so, at the moment. I would, ahead, jump in and say, I would jump in and say that I don't care about Trump's documents. I don't care about Biden's documents. I'm pretty sure that Obama got some documents. Bush got some documents. They all got some documents. If I was president, I'd probably have some documents. I mean, it's just right now, no one's going to jail. Hunter Biden's not going to jail. Hillary's not going to jail. Trump ain't going to jail. This is all fundraising for both sides. Republicans use it to fundraise. Democrats use it to fundraise. Ain't nobody going to jail. It's just stalling where we need politicians who are going to actually do something. That's why I said what America is seeing, they're tired of all the foolishness and they want something that is not a politician that has not been in politics all their life because they're tired of it. It's foolishness. And so we need someone who's going to actually care about the American people. But can someone like that, Councilman, I'm going to move to you on this. Can someone like Deontay is referring to, can someone like that handle Congress? Because we make the president a big deal when really we know that without a House and without a Senate, the president can't do anything. That is the and that biggest was really argument. Clear in Obama's, yes. That's, that's that, the biggest argument that we've had with President Obama. When President Obama mm-hmm. got there, a lot of people argued about him not being able to accomplish anything or not be having the proper policy to address the needs of our community. But he had a divided house. He did not have the support of his senator Congress. So he could not actually accomplish certain things that needed to get done sitting as the sitting president. So it is absolutely important. So we have to focus from our local level right up to the Senate right up to Congress to make sure that we're addressing all the needs because everybody comes out in, in in storms to vote for the president. But when it comes down to the local, when it comes down to the Senate, when it comes down to your, your congresswoman, your congressman, you have to make that same energy that you have as you're voting for the, the leader of the free world. So who's going to come out? I said it earlier. I, I don't know. It's had yeah. such a perfect storm over these last four uh, three years that this post-pandemic, the needs of the community, the struggles we've had, the economy storming towards a, a recession. All of this is causing for a, a divide with the popular vote when a lot of people aren't confident in our current sitting president who's been a career politician. So it's going to be a, a tough fight coming up, uh, coming in this presidential election. So let me swirl us back to our topic at hand. 53 of the 213 House Democrats are black, while just four of 222 House Republicans are black. Why are more black politicians aligned with the Democratic Party as opposed to the Republican Party? Why do you think that is, Dr. Sonia? I believe it's because of social and economic um, interests. I think we uh, it comes that's what it comes down to. And even though most of us, you know, most of us African Americans, we're brought up in the church. We're brought up. We really don't look to the moral um, side of things on in terms of the parties, where people are more, you know, the felt leads of the people are what's important, and people are more interested in, you know, um, getting a good job, getting education, you know, being able to educate their children, get being able to afford rent and food and mortgage and all these things. So, when it comes to um, the policies, democratic policies fall more on the side for blacks in um, 
in you know on the economic side but you know there i believe we're awakening to the values voting and i hope that we can we can do more so but we um you know we the people and our freedoms have kind of um not been seen as as important and when our freedoms are being infringed upon we're not see, we're not um focusing on that as much we're focusing on mostly the the um the the economic needs and um the stigma from family from other african americans from friends all of these reasons are some of the reasons so that let me people, ask dr again, carrie do you believe that the republican party does a good job at recruiting black constituents I would say that they have done a better job since 20, uh, since the Obama election, right? And the, um, the messaging had been around, uh, we can do, I, you know, Trump did a lot of it. Like we can do more for you than Obama could. People really are care about how is this going to change the material conditions of my life? Right. And um, we can say values, we can say policies, but, you know, all of the things that go into campaigning, um, it's, you know, it's really a distraction. I mean, it's really hard as um, everyday citizens to process through all of the uh, back and forth and the divisiveness that are, you know, in our campaigns. Um, I mean, that, that are in our e elections. Uh, and people really want to um, understand the laws and the policies that really change their lives. And whoever has the best messaging around that, um, you know, has been capturing the, the popular vote. And they're recruiting because they, um, uh, Republicans, they need Black people, um, you know, as well. Well, they've their recognized uh, finally that, oh, snap, Black people are actually voting <gasps> and we could utilize that. We can use these people and win what? Deontay, what can Republicans do to real black folk to their side? Well, um, for one, they can start listening to the Black Conservative Federation, but two, um, we can continue doing more. Um, we've got four black Republicans in Congress now and that's a start, um, it's historic. Um, and we gotta take the small gains for what they are. But, you know, 87 black Republicans ran for United States Congress this past cycle. Um, unfortunately, they ran in heavy Democratic areas. Um, so made their challenges. They, they may have won the primary, but it made their challenges harder trying to um, win over black Democrats. And so we have to get our we have to get a better message. We have to engage without enraging. Um, and then we also mm -hmm. have to learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. And that's mm -hmm. something that. That's uh, my organization pushes to the Republican Party and just pushes to everyone in the, in the, system, of, in the system of communication. But also we have to become solutionists first and Republicans second. And that is what it takes. You know, I believe that a black Republican is someone who dares to believe the teachings of their grandparents, believing in First Amendment, the Second Amendment, common sense regulation. Hold that thought. I believe you know, in commercial amendment. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. The Business of Being Black today are black politicians. Why aren't there enough? Uh, Deontay, before the break, we were talking about what Republicans can do to reel black people over to their side. But I wanted to bring up something here. Um, would it go against Republicans uh, would it go against their whole, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. I don't want to call it a belief system, but would it go against their whole process to real black people over? Um, and I say that because there's, there's, there's the penny that Abraham Lincoln is on. Right. And I've always heard all my life that Abraham Lincoln is the only coin that has turned his back from the American people because he let the black people free. Right. And so I'm wondering if, the Republicans start being extremely concerned about the plight of black people. Will they be a party that turns their back, much like Abraham Lincoln, on what their party was built on? Well, the Republican Party was built on an anti-slavery movement, and that's the facts. And so um, can't really turn your back on that. 
Um, but, you know, the, Rep- the Republican Party is the party of progress and opportunity, I would say, um, that everyone should have an opportunity, regardless of their skin color. Um, and we want to make sure that there are policies that are in place that will save Black America. Our stance when it comes to school choice will save Black children, that Black children will no, no longer be reading at a fourth grade level when they're in 12th grade. Um, making sure that our communities are not dilapidated, but they are actually flourishing, that you can walk down the street and you have access to um, decent stores and um, parks. And so why aren't you safe. getting that word out? Why doesn't that translate? Well, because so the media that there likes- will be more black politicians in the Republican Party. Well, because the media likes to overplow that message with the negativity. Um, they and that is negatively internally and externally. Where there's where that whether that is showcasing people like Candace Owens or some others, or um, that's showcasing people on the left who like Cory Bush who likes to attack her fellow congressmen. Um, and so the media likes that they like that drama, and so it it does cloud when people are talking about policy and things that they really want to do. Councilman, uh, will the Republicans be turning their back? on uh, their party, its own party, if they started touting what they could do for black people? I don't believe they'd be turning their back, but they have to address that equity gap. They have to focus on the equity of, of our community and the fact that it has not been addressed. We can't just start assuming that there's equality within our community and that the Republican and Democratic Party needs to just everybody lace up their bootstraps and get to work. We are one, two generations out of slavery. We don't have generational wealth or equity. So until those messaging comes across from either party or any individual that wants to serve, that we have to address equity and equality within our community, they should not be serving on any level or any basis. So we can say that the Republican Party wants to talk equally across the board for all people, but they wouldn't be turning their back. They'd be thinking about the concerns and issues of a culture, of a community that is standing here and needs the support of any elected official, any leader that's going to serve on any level. So if they want to truly acknowledge and address the black community, it has to focus on equity first. Dr. Sonia, there's a much higher percentage of black people serving in the House uh, of Representatives than in the Senate. Is that because it's easier for black politicians to win local elections than statewide elections? Well, Tammy, we haven't talked about the big dollar sign, okay, and money, and that's Good point. really huh? Good point. Yeah, we, we that that's really what elections are made up of because it, it, in order to um, get, you know get run for for Senate, it takes millions and millions of dollars, even for the for the House. So it, it comes down to the money and who can raise the most money. And to Deontay's point about uh, a nobody coming up, it's going to be very, very difficult for someone who is unknown to be able to raise the money um, to be able to get become president. But, you know, we had a Barack Obama. He seemingly came out of nowhere. So it is possible. And to the point about um, the, the Republican Party being able to reach out to African-Americans, I think what the Republican Party has not done, and, and we're talking about two kind of um, parties within the Republican Party. You know, there's the establishment and there's the more we the people, let's get back to we the people and helping the people from the bottom up, um, uh, dif- different groups. We're not we're not focusing on the black woman. The black woman is the the, the right. key to the black community. And because it's a matriarchal community and she's concerned about her children, she's concerned about, you know, their safety, their being able to uh, rise higher than her, that sort of thing. And I believe because of the, the black woman is not seen as somebody who has the money, I believe she she's not been focused upon. I believe they're missing something there. So that's the message I would give. They're, to the they're missing that the black woman doesn't have the money. Oh, the black women got the money. And even if they don't, they spend it. That's for sure. Uh, I'm sorry. Speaking from the black woman category. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Dr. Carey, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say that there um, has to be a restoration um, in Washington and all the way down um, the ticket. Um, and, um, you know, there are just huge disparities and the headwinds that um, we have faced from the right over the last um, several uh, cycles that would have actually made some progress in black communities, right? So it's not just 
you know, uh, tell black communities that you will do these things if they came over, you actually have to go about doing it. And so, um, and, and even before then, how have you demonstrated that um, you can govern and that you're worthy of, of, of my vote? Um, and they hadn't been able to do a great job um, at doing that. Um, and negotiating black people out in the understood um president joe biden was infamous for saying uh you're not black if you don't vote for me so does either party of um use black people as pawns in an attempt to pander to the black votes councilman i'm gonna jump in and say Yes, uh, the Democratic Party has done more of a job of using uh, the black vote and using us as a pawn to say that they're going to just reserve the right that they have secured our vote. Republican Party has not been intentional enough. So even I cringed when I heard President Biden say that because I just truly believe that knowing your history, knowing your experience, knowing pre-President uh, Barack Obama, some of the votes, some of the direction, some of the policy that you engaged and involved in doesn't show that you truly believe that you're black enough to represent me Ooh. as a black man. So I was truly concerned with those comments and that truly turned me off. I was appreciative of him serving in leadership with President Barack Obama, but at the same time, I know your history. I know your upbringing. I know where you've come from. I know that you can also change as an individual, but you have to acknowledge it first. So the gall of you to even say that out of your mouth is absurd. Yeah, any leader the very person, a black person would not vote for if you look at historically how he's voted in terms of uh, what's important to the African-American community. But we look at what have you done for me lately? We don't realize and look at our history. We don't check in the direction of policy. And politicians we, count on that, don't they? Absolutely. It's it, You wait until it's time for re-election to start serving up the chicken dinners, smiling and nodding and coming in my face. That's, That's the issue that I run into and I'm so frustrated with it where we don't address it, focus on the policy, looking at your history and your track record. Dr. Kerry said it best. We have to look at what you've done. You have to look at your upbringing and what policies you've set from the beginning. What are you going to do and what are you going to represent? Not what you're doing for me right now. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that we can't we can't forget, um, it's not I mean, that there is a choice between, um, you know, one candidate or the other. And, and the choice for many people should be which one is going to bring us closer to the promise, to the promise that has yet been fulfilled, um, yet to be fulfilled. And so it's not like, you know, um, Biden was just sort of all by himself and we can just choose Biden was Biden against someone else. Right. And he was for me, the better choice. Um, well, we also forget that there are typically more than two candidates. Mm hmm. There are a lot of candidates since uh, the last presidential uh, uh, election. There'll be a lot, you know, coming, uh, coming in the, in Maybe the coming it's time to move on well. from uh, Democrats and Republicans. And I just don't understand so, why people don't take a look at that. We'll be we right back after this commercial break. Evils. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Foxhole. The Business of Being Black today are black politicians. So let's try to get this in real quick because I don't want to miss this moment to talk about female politicians, specifically black female politicians. Do they face more scrutiny than black male politicians? Uh, putting race aside for a moment, do female politicians face more scrutiny than male politicians? And um, Deontay has talked about it's time for a woman, uh, black woman or, or woman to become president of the United States. It's about that time. But my question is, is it about that time? Or, I mean, listen, if we're talking about women being presidents, the name that's going to pop up is Kamala Harris. Doc Dr. Kerry, I'm coming to you on this one. Do you think she has a chance to win? Uh, and do you think she has a chance to win over male voters? Yes. 
I do think that she has a chance to win. She's the current sitting vice president. Well, you know, I don't believe she has been set up to look like a winner. You know, I, we, we, we can't really point to any particular thing where she's really shown her leadership and, you know, she was given the, the border crisis. We haven't seen any kind of movement on that. And so she hasn't really been set up even by her own party to look like the person who should be next. Um, and almost as, as a matter of fact, she seems to be a, a little bit hidden behind um, um, Joe Biden. So uh, I don't see her being able to win. I, I really don't see her being able to gather the whole country behind her and be able to get a, get enough steam behind her to win. That's just my yeah. Thought. It is interesting how we seem to have seen her everywhere during the election, and then all of a sudden, yeah, she's kind of reeled it back a little bit. Councilman, did I miss some moments? Maybe I haven't seen her. She's she's been completely ghost since she got into office, and that is the Democratic Party not addressing continuity in government, succession planning. They they tried to just keep her in that certain silo and box with the intent of holding on to that office for eight years and then possibly running after that. But just with everything that's happened, she's going to need to prepare and be ready a lot sooner. We as a, as a party, the Democratic Party, should have prepared her. And they haven't done that. They haven't vetted their leaders. They haven't prepared them and put them out into a position to say, we want you to lead, put you on a platform and say that we're going to create strong leaders for this community where she is a strong leader, but we didn't do enough job of showcasing her. Deontay, did we? So I'm going to be that black Republican that takes up for the Democratic vice president. Um, I will tell you this is that we forget. But she's your I've, vice president, too, though. We understand. Yes, yeah, she is. She is. And I and and, I, and I've seen places like the Shade Room and other places bash Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris for not being seen and not vocal or not being out there. But the question is, is that when was the last, no one remembers the last five vice presidents. And no, the vice president's role is to be I used the, to see Joe well, Biden all the time hanging out with Obama, <laughs> Deontay. The vice president, uh, come on the vice now, president, come on The now. vice president's role is I to saw Dick Cheney all the time. Come on to now. Serve their, serve their duty in Senate. And, you know, and be number two for the president. And so, um, but also a president, you know, a vice president is only as good as her president, just like a team is only as good as their leader. And so um, do I think that she would be the next president? Absolutely not, because I saw in the Democratic primary how she was the first per one of the first people out. So um, the Democratic Party has already spoken on how they feel about her, and she hasn't given much leverage. Now, we want to talk about like a Susan Rice or someone of that sort. Um, we're talking different, you know, about a Condoleezza Rice, a, you know, women who have, um, you know, even the Hillary Clinton type that has really done their work and has done a, you know, made a mark on America. Maybe um, Karen Bass. What about a Maxine Waters? I think Maxine is too old. <laughs> um, Deontay, tell us about the Black Conservative Federation. Um, the Black Conservative Federation is an organization where we take conservative principles and policies and take them into non-conservative communities. Um, and we help cons congressional members and help uh, diversify Congress. Um, but also we help um, influence policies such as the First Step Act, Opportunity Zones, uh, things that we did in the, with the Trump administration. Councilman, uh, tell us about infinity taxes. Well, that is my private business that I've had for 10 years, where we talk about financial literacy, equity within our community. I established the business right here in the city of Riviera Beach, where I'm the elected official, and we try to teach about continuity in government. We try to teach about financial literacy. We try to teach about entrepreneurship. And outside of just doing tax preparation, the end beyond of the infinity taxes is the portion that provides everything for a community that homeownership, leadership, and financial equity needs. We're talking about black politicians today. How did you win? Um, started with a popularity contest. It started with hard work and dedication. It started with having and making sure my name was recognized across the community. But it also started with being deep-rooted in my community, of serving my community, coming from this area. So instead of just actually being the name that everybody recognized, but actually being the one that actually served from the beginning. So they saw that I was a servant leader, and they decided to continue to support me, and I've continued to do that for the 40,000 residents of Riviera Beach. 
Dr. Carey, tell us about KMB. Yes, KMB is a boutique uh, consulting firm. I partner with organizations and leaders who are working to change the way that they take on racism, specifically anti-Black racism. Um, prior to uh, you know the um, public um, commitments in 2020, after um, <clears throat> the George Floyd uh, murder. And so um, in practical terms, I really work with organizations to operationalize um, and practice making dark-skinned people figural in their organization beyond tactics, emotional decisions, crisis response. Um, and that's what we're up to. Excellent. Dr. Sonia, it's on you. Talk about it. <laughs> okay, so I'm representing Project 21 today, which is the African-American portion of the National Center for Public Policy and Research. And that's my heart, public policy. Um, it's the reason I ran, ran for um, office in um, that the, the district that's really the poorest in South Carolina. And, you know, you see the suffering of the people. So I'm focusing on my writing, focusing on, on policy analysis and, um, um, and some consulting in the legal area and the business area. So um, just want to be a help in the community and do what, I'm, what I was put here to do. Excellent. So how is it that black politicians, well, how is it that we can secure more black politicians? And is it necessary? Dr. Sonia, we'll stay with you on this one. Well, we need to support our people no matter what side they're on. If you believe the person and their integrity and the content of their character, Dr. Dr. King lived and died for, um, and the policies, um, you know, are amenable to your values, and that's what what my book is about. And I'm going to, um, you know, publish this book. Um, it's black political behavior, voting according to our values, and that's that that last one is um, anti, you know, suicide and the. the antidote to suicide and suicidal thoughts, because we see there's a lot of um, that's going on in terms of people not being able to handle um, the world we live in right now, and they're choosing, you know, self-harm. So I'm, I'm I want to focus on my writing. A lot of it is from a biblical perspective, and that's where my heart is really to really help people find peace and to find, you know, their worth. Thank you for that. Councilman How in two words, how can we get more Black politicians? Succession planning. Succession plan. That's good. Deontay, how can we get more black politicians? I'll give you another word. Three words. Find qualified people. Okay. Find qualified people. That's three words. Okay. Dr. Carey, two words. How can we get more black politicians on board? Grow them. There it is. And thank you for growing Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you.